Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Wednesday q and I'm Eric Griffin, president of ITM Trading. With me, I have Lynette Zhang, our chief market analyst. For those of you who don't know or are tuning in for the first time, you submit your questions to us via email to questions at itmtrading.com. We put them here on the screen in front of us. We ask them live so you get a real, true, spontaneous, organic response. Yes, indeed. Indeed. Let's just rock and roll. There's some, I can see the questions. Some of them are long-winded today. Okay. So here we go. Hopefully there's some good ones. All right, Metro2334 asks, I took some money out of my bank in 2021. When the bank decides to put a chip in the money, will my chip less wild money have more value than the money that has a chip? At what point will my chip less money have no value? Okay. So number one, yes, and that is classified, you're right, Metro 2334, as, as cash in the wild. And since it does not have a chip in it, then it would have more value than bills that did when they go to the negative rates. So they would command a premium. But at what point will my chip less money have no value would be if the government, if or when, the government makes the choice to demonetize that money. Then they would give you a short window, like we're seeing in Nigeria right now. They give you a short window of time to convert that money. And maybe they'll do it at a one-to-one -one basis, or maybe they'll do it at a two-to-one basis, or, or however they're going to do it, we're going to find out. But uh, like in Nigeria, we've already passed the date. Any of the money that's out, the old uh, Naira that's out there already, can't be used for anything, has no value. And we saw that in India in 2016. So uh, if the U.S. should choose to do an overt demonetization, that's when that cash uh, will have no value and or in hyperinflation, it'll lose all of its value. So there, there are your cases for it to lose the value and people lose confidence and they won't accept it anymore. All right, so Paul S. asks, in 1971, mm -hmm. Nixon took away the gold standard. How is this considered a change oh. that impacted U.S. citizens? Well, considering the fact that we've lost 97% of its value just since 1971, that, and, and also keep in mind that back in 1971, the average wage was about 9,500, and a family of four could survive on that with one wage earner. Today, it takes two wage earners with an average wage, I was saying 67, but I just read the other day the average wage is 52,000. And so two wage earners, they're paycheck to paycheck. So by taking us off the gold standard, what Nixon effectively did was hand over the control of inflation to the private central bankers. That And then we became a debt standard and the ability to constantly compound debt. And then you have to pay interest on that debt. So, yeah, it impacted all of us greatly. Um, it changed the shape of society because instead of having, you know, somebody at home so that the kids weren't latchkey and there was like this safe hub, well, 
then both parents had to go out and work. So it, it changed society a great deal. It changed the standard of living a great deal because we now have um, really the population, the household debt is hitting all time highs, credit cards, mortgages, etc. cetera. Uh, at the same time, that savings is hitting all time lows or near all time lows. So that, that's not very good. So yeah, it, it changed dramatically yet if you had an ounce of gold back in well 1971 of course it was still illegal to hold more than five ounces other than in this capacity like my uncle al right they also did a revaluation at that point from the official rate of 35 dollars an ounce which in the open market it was more than that but that was the official rate to a revaluation of $42.22, which is still the official price today, even though the spot price is at $18.35 or wherever it happens to be at, at this moment in time. So it, it changed a lot, a lot. You can put yourself back on the gold standard, which is exactly what I've done personally, because otherwise, as we move forward and we go into you know, there's only one way to fight inflation and that's with deflation. And the only way to fight deflation is with inflation. So as we go into this next little piece and the Fed ultimately pivots, I'm not saying they're going to do it right away, but they'll create a crisis and then they'll pivot. Then all the rest of the value in that currency is going to be inflated away. Yeah. And the taking us off that gold standard allowed the the printing of the money, which has allowed these crazy derivative oh, yes. uh, Thank products you. that, you know, ha puts the system more in jeopardy. It also, uh, from the north, from us as normal citizens, it creates a, you know, you hear about the wealth gap, you know, that wage growth doesn't keep up with inflation and that's by design, but, but it also creates, you know, a bigger gap between those who are the highest wage earners and the normal wage earner. That gap just keeps increasing over mm -hmm. time because inflate because of inflation and the dollars come in at the top and affects the the people at the top the most they get the best benefit out of it right because so, they get the money first right. when it has its most value right yeah so very good point multiple multiple impacts and unfortunately is what's going to usher in the cbdc's it's going to give total control so uh major impacts from the gold standard being removed in 1971. Yeah. Um, JR asks, you've explained several times how the government would inflate away the debt mm -hmm. to use more worthless currency to pay off debt accumulated with a lower value currency, but I still don't understand. For example, if the U.S. debt is $30 trillion, the government could get $30 trillion printed to pay off that debt, thus devaluing the currency, but in the meantime, the total debt would have risen to 60 trillion, so nothing would have changed. Actually, everything changes from that because while they will do that, really what's holding any value in the fiat money together is confidence. So when they turn around and they print all of that money, it, it's not they're printing that money to pay off the debt, they're printing that money to stimulate the economy. But at the same time, that means inflation is running hotter. The public notices 
and they start to lose confidence in the, mon in the money as well as in those that are running the system, so the central banks and the governments, right? It's that confidence piece that is so critical for them to hold, and we've been watching that erode. I mean, pretty consistently and, and before this, but particularly since 2008 when the system died. So understand that what's really going to create the hyperinflation is the loss of confidence in the public. The money printing creates the inflation, right? Which was, they kept saying no inflation, no inflation, because that inflation was held in the markets that they targeted for reflation. Stocks, bonds, real estate, which also to your point, earlier point, supports the derivative market, right? But um, I don't know if I've explained that well. I just want you to understand that the, that the hyperinflation, so the absolute loss of, of any level of value in the currency is created by the public losing confidence in the currency and not wanting to, to, to take it. And they won't, uh, or not wanting to accept that currency. So it's, it's not so much that they print the money to pay off the debt, it's that the value of the money is, is driven down even lower than it is right now. And so they, re, they can pay off that debt. The debt has no value, right? Because it's all denominated and paid for in a currency that has no value. Uh, that's part of the big plan, right? You take on debt when the currency has this value, you pay it off with dollars that have less value, and then that makes you feel like everything is, you know, better. Think about when you first got a mortgage and, oh, you're thinking, oh, my God, that mortgage payment is so high. I don't know if I can do this. You're nervous. But after a while, it gets normal to you, and then it's easier and easier to service that debt, presuming your salary goes up right? Even via the 2% inflation or what have you. So that's really, it's the hyperinflation. And you can use that to your benefit too for any fixed rate debt. That's the plan of the government. Right. That's, that's part of our strategy in repaying your debt with dollars that have virtually no value. And there's a window in there. When they do that reset, that will enable you to do that. You just need to be aware that's why you're watching the channel. That's why you should subscribe if you haven't subscribed um, so that you know when to move with your gold and how to use it. But also our consultants will help you through that as well. Yeah, and it's not really about that. The, the key here and what you asked is it's not about paying off the debt. It's servicing the debt with cheaper dollars. So they print the money and then use less valuable dollars to pay that debt that was more valuable before they printed it off, print, printed it. And inflation, hyperinflation makes that cheaper to do, but they're not really paying that debt off. Right. It's just servicing that debt. Um, okay, so... And then hyperinflation makes that debt irrelevant. Yeah, it the, ultimately makes all the currency irrelevant. The only way that That's the debt could ever this. get paid off would be if we actually ran a surplus which we're never going to do right. in the budget, and they use that tax revenue, that extra money, that and then paid down the debt. That's ne it's never going to happen. So because oh, there isn't any extra money, it's just servicing the debt <laughs> right. with cheaper and cheaper dollars. Right. But what's happening now too? Um, I was just reading about this, and I I may do something on it. I don't know. 
but they were talking about the interest on the debt um, within a few years is going to be larger than the budget that they have for the military. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And we've been compounding that debt and the interest on that debt yeah, for a, a lot problem. of years. Well, I, and I, I think it was uh, Jim Rickards had said, and this was in 2012, and I think the debt was somewhere around 12 or 14 trillion. He said, we've reached the point where no amount of um, like taxation uh, mm -hmm. or um, inflation, no, taxation or... Get what the other thing he said was now I totally space blanked it but no amount of taxation uh, or increase in GDP or something like that would ever be able to pay the debt mathematically it became impossible right uh, around 2012 I saw it on an interview that he didn't I never forgot that like we're, we're at this point of no return where we could never exactly. actually achieve it yeah so they're gonna just continue to print money and make the debt previously cheaper and cheaper um, okay Dave Q, that's where we're at, right? Yes. Okay. You have said many times before that should the dollar collapse, then the SDR would become the world reserve currency. Probably. Since, since there are many currencies just as weak, mm -hmm. if not weaker than the dollar, mm -hmm. should the dollar fail, then these other currencies would likely fail as well. Mm -hmm. Is it expected that if confidence is lost in the failed dollar, then the public would have faith in the SDR, which is a basket that would be then consist of other failed currencies. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't this SDR collapse as well, pushing the world towards a gold-backed system? Well, yes. Actually, ultimately, you're right. But there's going to be a number of different iterations until we get there. And indeed, the most likely outcome is that is how you will know when they've finished uh, resetting the whole system is when there is indeed a component of gold in the new currency. And that's what's going to generate the confidence again. At least that's what history tells us. I can't guarantee that it's going to be the SDR, but it's the most logical one to take over. And part of that is because for all of the other countries, um, the U.S., China, wherever, uh, they have to grow debt in order to create new currency. But the SDR, since that is a basket of currencies in the SDR, the IMF does not have to create debt in order to create SDRs. They simply actually create a level of demand for those other currencies by putting it in that basket. And there's no limitations to how many currencies they can put in that basket. They can put every, every currency on the planet so that we end up with a local currency, like the digital dollar, for example, uh, and that's what we use here in the U.S. And then the SDR, and that's what is used globally because it would be easier to convert into whatever other local currencies it needed to be converted into. And remember, too, that the IMF has that substitution fund. So all of those countries that are holding dollars and dollar-denominated I hate to call them assets because I don't really think of them as assets, but like government uh, treasuries or what have you, they can deposit those into the substitution account and then the IMF can convert them from dollar-denominated instruments 
into SDR-denominated instruments and in theory then regulate the speed at which the dollars come back to the U.S. So in theory, uh, presuming the public hasn't lost confidence, okay, can then control the speed and rate of inflation while they are, I guess, rehoming the dollar. But that's all in theory. I don't think it's actually in practice. I know that they've tested it and they've, they've given everybody a lot more SDRs. So they're definitely getting into position for it. So it's gonna be interesting, you know, to see. But the SDR would, let's see, wouldn't the SDR collapse as well? It, again, it's, it's all about confidence. So the local currencies are about public confidence. The SDR uh, currency would be about high level central bank government confidence. As long as they continue to try and use those local currencies, then, you know, that could be, I think it's, I think it, it will be the next, the world reserve currency because it's just been around since 69. Everybody's got a ton of it now. Yeah, I agree with you. And they've been talking about since 09, even utilizing mm -hmm. it as the next world reserve currency as a solution so that all countries are happy, right? So. Yeah, you remember I used to say it could be called the hoochie cooch. <laughs> You know, and then when China came out, <laughs> they make fun of me all the time. <laughs> but then China was the one that came out and said, what about the Edgar. SDR? Don't cut it, Edgar. What's wrong with that? You don't know what, what that, what's wrong with calling it that? No, I really don't. <laughs> I'll tell you off camera. <laughs> Okay. But I always know Patrick when I misspeak because they start laughing at me. That's what happens with all these young men. All right. So Patrick WT give me a break. If CBDCs are used, what will become of the silver and gold industry, oh. in particular the retail market? Will we still be able to buy gold and silver after we are using CBDCs, or will that be the end of buying metals? Your guess is as good as mine, which is why it is critical that you build your position now. Because for them to outlaw or, or inhibit your ability to buy gold and silver, when you've got a programmable currency, that's pretty darn easy to do, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And even as, you know, we're looking at what's happening in um, Nigeria right now because they're trying to force the population to use the CBDCs. They weren't having any luck, so they just demonetized their currency, almost all of it. Biggest bill, by the way, was the equivalent of $2.16. They had to get rid of that large bill in circulation. But, uh, but basically what they're, what they're saying is, and oh, by the way, there's limits on where you can use it, how long it lives, all these different limits. So, you know, I don't know that they're going to do it, but they certainly could do it. So get your gold and silver. It's also why I personally don't buy gold bullion. I do silver, but I don't buy gold bullion because I do think that there is highly probable, history shows us, even current history, um, that a gold confiscation is a possibility. So that's why I only buy the collectible. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, especially on um, on on the case of of the confiscation piece. I, I 
you know, people ask me these, this question all the time. And mm-hmm. with central bank digital currencies, it's about total control. Yes. And in my opinion, it won't come right at first. Like I said, this is just my opinion. Being I don't correct. think it'll come they're, at they're first, but they're going to go in. cash. Mm-hmm. They're going to get adoption. They're going to go cashless. They're going to, and I think they will outlaw bullion gold and silver mm-hmm. because they will want to shut down the exit routes, mm-hmm. right? They want control. They want to shut down the escape plans. Yep. And escape plans are cash, gold and silver, other cryptocurrencies. Um, so, yeah, they're going to limit your access to it because they want total control. Now, people will say, do you think that they'll they'll do it to this too? No, I don't think they will. Could they? Absolutely. That's that's a your guess is as good as mine. Um, you know, they've ne- the, they've never confiscated uh, right. stuff that is collectible. Eminent domain laws are certain things that protect it that make it better. Um, but uh, I think if there was ever a case for confiscation, it's it's central bank digital currencies. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So right. so get it while you can and be in the category that these guys that are writing all the rules and the laws, you know, I that's the category I want to be in. You know, and somebody that paid, it could very well roll out something like this. Let's say spots at $2,000 when they decide to do the confiscation. They want cooperation. They don't want pushback. Most people that own gold and silver own it inside of an IRA, the physical metal, or an ETF, and that isn't even physical, so that's irrelevant. Um, but let's say they, since they don't want you to complain about it or they don't want pushback, spots at 2000 and we'll pay you $3,000 to turn in your gold and they do a big sweep of the IRAs. Well, people, I don't know why, but will still trust the spot price and not realize how undervalued it is. And so they'll go, well, wow, it's only worth 2000 They're willing to pay me 3000 Okay. And they get cooperation. And then after they get all that they think they can get, then they do that revaluation of it, just like they did in 33, and just like they have in other parts of the world, Lebanon being one just recently. So you want to be in a position because somebody that paid $8 million for a one ounce coin is not turning it in for 3,000 bucks, right? So if I can hold it in an IRA, and I'm just referring to gold right now because silver's got industrial use as well and gets used up in industry. But if I can hold gold in an IRA, that is not the gold that I'm buying. I want the kind that has a different classification. And and even though I certainly did not, well, this isn't actually even my coin, but, you know, this is not an $8 million coin. But it is in the same category. Um, okay. Live questions. Mm. Let's do Jad. Will gold be worthless in the future? No. And the reason why I can say that so definitively, besides its 6,000 years of history, is because it is the only asset, and certainly the only financial asset, that is used in every single sector of the global economy. So it will not be worthless in the future because it has the broadest base of functionality and the broadest base of demand. It is really 
just that simple. And it is the primary currency metal because it's the only metal that actually meets the criteria to be a good currency, which they, the central banks are really destroying. I mean, you know, tool of measure, a tool of barter, a short-term store of value and a long-term store of value. Take that first, that last one away with the fiat money. It mimics gold. That's how they get you, right? Kind of mimics it but it robs you of your purchasing power silently through inflation, right? So that third one's already gone. When we go to a CBDC, as they've said in their material, then money only has two functions, a store, uh, a not a store value, a tool of measure. So you can get paid, right? This is how much you're worth, your work is worth and a tool of barter. So you can go out and spend it but it won't even hold the short-term store of value because central banks state over and over and over and over again that once we have CBDCs, there are no limitations to how low they can push interest rates, which means there are no limitations on how quickly they can erode your principal. So you get paid, it immediately goes into your bank account and it immediately loses value. So in the future with CBDCs, you are not even going to get paid what you think you're going to get paid. Forget the inflation for a minute. They are going to take your principal away. They say it over and over and over again. They don't use those words because they don't want you to understand it, but that's what they're telling you. We got all your purchasing power. Now we need to get your principal. All right. Well, on that bombshell, <laughs> we will end. Ah, okay. Well, make sure because there's so much stuff that's coming out right now. So you want to watch our recent video, <laughs> Can the Consumer Save Us? Because aren't you hearing how strong the consumer is? Is that true? Watch that video and find out. Uh, the U.S. economy is from a looming crisis. And we also recently launched a new Spanish speaking channel and it's, it's English and Spanish, but make sure that you go there, watch it. We talk about the videos and uh, Fernando asks me questions and we discuss that. And then of course you can actually watch the full length video in Spanish. So make sure you share it with any of your Spanish speaking friends and make sure you also on, uh, go to our beyond gold and silver channel where we talk about the rest of the mantras. So the food, water, energy, security, barterability, wealth preservation, community and shelter. And I just did an interview with Eric Christensen of Nutrient Survival. And we were talking about layers, how you can build in layers of food because food becomes the single biggest issue for people. Yep. So we talked about all different ways to layer your food to make sure that you are food secure and your family and friends are. And if you haven't done this already, start your, click that Calendly link below and start your own personalized custom strategy on gold and silver. So you have that foundation and you can sustain your standard of living and put yourself in a position to benefit what we can't escape. We're all going to deal with this. So just make sure you can benefit from it. And as I said earlier, if you haven't subscribed, please make sure you do leave us a comment, give us a thumbs up and share, share, share. And until next we meet, Financial shields are made of metal, certainly not promises and paper.
So until next we meet, please be safe out there. Bye-bye.